Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to today's episode of Musings with Jesus. My name is Shola. I'm your host. Thank you for joining me. I hope you're well. I hope all is good with you in your world. Um, it has been a bit tough for me to do this recording this morning um, because um, really I'm sad. I'm trying very hard not to be sad, but I'm 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 sad. I'm deep. I'm I'm sober. I'm so sad because <laughs> it's like everything that I have been saying on this podcast that the Lord has been making me reflect on on this podcast. And Lord, please just help me that I, I'll be authentic with what I say now because, and I I can't say too much i can't go back too much into the history i'll try to explain this best as i can but for the past two or three years i've been on a journey and that journey has been a journey of separation um i had a crisis in my life that forced me to go back to the word of god and god started teaching me things and the more he taught me things i went back into the bible i started seeing that the bible you know was things that jesus taught was very different from the way in which christianity was being practiced and i talk about this a lot on my podcast if you are listening to two if you listen to at least two of my episodes or three you will hear me say this i say it over and over again and the reason why i say it over and over again is because i live in a society where religion is a thing i mean this is sunday morning now many households are going to be in church they're going to be lifting up holy hands people are going to be praying People go to church every Sunday, they attend meetings, they, you know, political leaders have seats in the front seats. I mean, everybody believes something, you know, where we we have one of the largest populations of Christians, practicing Christians, as well as practicing Muslims in the world. But particularly in the Christian circle, I won't speak of the religion that I'm not a part of. I have observed and I have talked about this severely that it became clear to me that there was a values problem. And this is God revealing it to me. I mean, I saw bits of it, you know. I mean, there were certain things that used to happen, like the the on the emphasis on money. It, it used to make me uncomfortable, but then, you know, they would always cover it up with, you know, God wants, you know, you are giving to God. And, you know, so I would feel that, okay, well, they are right, you are giving it to God. So I would chastise myself and say, oh, maybe it's the devil that is trying to talk to me. But I, I a part of me felt, no, we shouldn't be emphasizing money. It's just uncomfortable that you are in the house of God. And somebody is talking for 15 minutes non-stop about money. I mean, is this a social... Am I in a an NGO? Is it an NGO? Is it a church? You know, so I, I always felt the pulpit should not be the place where you'll be fundraising. I just felt this was really odd. And sometimes in some churches, God help you if you're part of a congregation that is going through a building project. I mean, like, really, you will not hear anything again. Everything, every message, everything that you hear that is preached is is seen from the lens of the project even if you are dealing with cancer or some life-threatening illness or there's something going on in your life that is threatening to destroy you or whatever everything will be tied to that building project in my heart of hearts i knew that this was wrong i knew that this was wrong but and it's old testament practice because this is what happened when so they 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 always quote the narratives from the old testament where you know god sent the children of israel to build um the temple and all of that but we are not temple worshippers we don't there's nothing in the new testament that says 
anything about a building. In fact, what we have in the New Testament, Jesus and the apostles speaking by the Holy Spirit said that the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands. That whole temple worship thing ended with the Old Covenant. And it was because God did not dwell inside men then. That's why he had to have a temple that was sacred and sanctified for him to be able to dwell in it. But when he sent Jesus and sent his Holy Spirit, who now is able to reside in us once we receive the regenerated spirit from Jesus in salvation? There is no need for a house again. There is no temple. God was never even comfortable. You couldn't cage him to a temple. He just did it because there needed to be a place where people will meet with him. But now he meets with us in our heart. The Bible says that if um, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, if I have received Christ and I have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, God is dwelling inside of me. So that whole temple thing that is being done is just for the purpose of, it's just fundraising. So, so that's what I'm saying. So I have been noticing all those things. I've also noticed that this bless me Christianity that we've been practicing, I'm not saying, well, I'm not saying I've been noticing it's God that brought it to my attention. Although I was always uncomfortable with it, but you know how it is when you are somewhere and everybody's doing something. So even when you're, it's like smoking. It's like you, you, are, you are going with some friends and they're all smokers. Initially, when you first came, you didn't like smoking. You think smoking is wrong, but eventually because they're your friends and you're always around them, you stop thinking that smoking is bad. Even if you don't start smoking, you, you know, your feelings about smoking is likely to change compared to what, you know, the way you felt before you joined that smoking group. That's exactly how it was. So, I later just shrugged off a lot of my, you know, dis you know my discomfort and felt, well, this is the way it's supposed to be. And, you know, after all, there's scriptural backing for it, you know, and everything. So, and of course, there's scriptural backing for everything. It's about whether the interpretation is correct or there can be, let's put it that way. So, that was that. But, you know, by the time I went through my life-changing experience, which I now realize it is because the journey that I am on now, I don't think anything could have set me on this journey. I, I needed something that actually stopped me in my tracks and forced me to pay attention, you know, and then before I could then start on this other journey. So... I then, it became another, like I said, I've always had that nagging thing. Then I, you know, I just looked at it. Then I could also see that Christian values were skin deep. That the, in fact, I had seen that the church had become a place that people just go to, to fulfill all righteousness. Nothing was changing. You know, whenever you got close to people who claim to be, who are church-going Christians, you found out that there was no, I mean, Christianity was, is like a joke. <laughs> Judges that no effort. They, they don't even they're not even trying to be different. It's just, you know, they think being a member of a church, taking up a position, maybe becoming a leader, becoming ordained is all it takes. I mean, some people if I when I knew there was a problem was when in when I was working in my former place of work and there were some people who we knew as corrupt as in corrupt with a capital c and then later we would find out that they were pastors in their church and and it would be like no 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 i'll be like no when you say pastor what do you mean pa pastor of what and they will say pa is it as ordained they'll say who so there were people who in in the office we never knew them to be anything close to be, being believers but they were active pastors in major churches whereas there is nothing christian in them in fact, I used to tell people then when I was working that if you want to know a Christian, I used to tell people in church that if you want to know 
who a Christ, the people that come to church, whether they are really who they say they are, go to their offices and ask the people that work with them. Because most of us co-workers, we really know who our workers are. We really know who our colleagues are. Like from some of my colleagues, I had a colleague who had another wife, another family elsewhere. His wife, I don't think she knew, but we in the office knew. You know, we also know the men who are philanders, you know, we know the people who are philanders, other men or women, you know, we know the people who are having, who, and of course, we know the people that are corrupt. And then we also know the people who are not corrupt. We know the people who are not philanders. We know the people who are not liars. We know the people who are credible and trustworthy. In, because you can't hide those things in the office environment. There's, I don't know what it is about the office environment. One year, two years, everybody knows you as if they know you. You can't, it's not, it's not something you can hide. Even the people who hide it, we know that, people then know that, okay, we don't know what you are about, but we know that you are guarded and we know that you are guarded for a reason. So when certain things happen in your space, we suspect you simply because we can, we, <laughs> you, are, you, are, you are dodgy, you know what I'm saying? So in the office, we always knew who people were, but out there in church, in the world, but what was surprising to me is that the church itself does not even seem concerned. People will bring money from questionable backgrounds. You don't even ask questions. In fact, the more money you bring, in a country where you know that there's poverty, multidimensional poverty, you have some people who just come in with money, doing all sorts. There's never been a day I heard a preaching in the last, in fact, as long as I can remember, where anybody was preaching against fraudulent, getting money by fraudulent means. I never heard a preaching against exam malpractices or any of those things that we know are rampant in our society. The only thing I will hear about is things like submit, um, obey your husband, you know, all those kind of patriarchal things. Those are the ones you will hear all the time. And of course, pay your tithes and offerings. And then, yes, God will, will heal you, he'll deliver you, you'll overcome your enemies, you know, all those kind of um, um, prayer and amen type of things. But nothing about character formation. Nothing against anger, against envy, against strife, against theft, or even murder. The, you know, there were certain things that are just not talked about. Whereas, and, and for me, that was a problem. Because again, I have a, I'm a communications um, um, specialist. And in my background, what I learned is you always have to be, if you are speaking, the power of effective communications is when you are relevant. So as a leader, when you go into a meeting, like on Monday morning now, I would, if I was... Um, running a meeting you know in a corporate setting or wherever i will start it off by asking people how was their weekend hope you were safe elections tell me if you had any experience during the elections because i know all what happened in particularly lagos in the state where i live on on saturday i would say that and then i would allow what i hear to i will speak to it and then start whatever it is i want to say that day based on that i will bridge into it i won't ignore it because there may be somebody in the room who had a very nasty experience that may spill over into the dynamics of the team it's better i deal with it and recognize it there and give opportunity for expression that is i'm saying what the secular way of handling things and it's highly effective I don't know. And when I look at the Bible as well, that was Jesus' way as well. Jesus was very relevant, which is why he used parables. He talked about Herod. He talked about things that were going on. He talked about he talked about the temple that collapsed on some people. He he used, you know, things that were going on. He said to them, he said that temple that collapsed on people, do you think that they were more wicked or it was because of their sin? That these things happen, you know, he talked about the evil in the world. 
that causes such bad things. He said, so don't, don't, don't look at them that, oh, that happened to them because they are evil and therefore you are, you are, you are, you know, you have, you, you are not guilty and you will be safe. But that everyone just needs to sort themselves out with God. Jesus was always relevant. He also quoted the scriptures from the Old Testament so that people will understand how what he was saying connected with what they knew and what God had given to them before. He spoke to them about the things. They asked him, when will you restore the kingdom? He spoke to them about the kingdom. These were things that were relevant to them. He spoke to them about the life that they live, about the future that was foretold. So I find it very funny when you are a pastor or you are a leader and I see you, you preach as though, well, I mean, when I read your preach or I listen to your sermon, I can't tell whether you are in Nigeria or in India or in China or in the US. It tells me a lot. There's, there's, there's just something about it because... I just don't get that. Because when, when an American speaks, you know, you, you hear that, the, you can tell. They make it very clear to you that they are speaking from the American perspective. They will use examples, they will talk about their constitution, they will talk about their things. But somehow, a lot of Christian leaders have perfected the art of talking as though they do not live in one of the most insecure, oppressive, corrupt, degenerate, evil, malevolent societies on earth. It is not of God. Anyway, everything came to a, a lot of things came to a head on Saturday. And I now understand why the Lord has put me on a journey for se of separation for two, two or three years. I can't say a lot. All I would just say is that we held elections in Lagos. And the kind of scenes that you would imagine that would happen in, con in a country that is at war happened. And it was ethnically charged violence all in the bid to make sure that a certain candidate who they knew would win would not win the election they whipped up a lot of sentiment targeted violence against people of a particular tribe and people who looked like they were of a particular tribe as well as those who they knew or they felt or they believed would vote contrary to what they wanted Thugs taking over the streets of Lagos. Thugs supervising the electoral process. In modern day Nigeria, the city where I live in is home to tens of millions of people. Official figures ranging somewhere between 16 to 21 million. So-called mega city. A melting pot is like New York in, 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 in America. A long history of being a coastal city, very welcoming to people of different races and tribes. It's the entertainment capital of Nigeria. It's the commercial city of Nigeria. All of the music that comes from Nigeria, the creative um, strength and, and, and talent of Nigeria is also in this city. The financial capital also in this city. The tech industry, fintech and all of the wonderful tech creative things that have been happening in my country also in the same city this was where this happened yesterday and in the past one week we saw tweets whipping up the rhetoric now what am i saying about this why am i bringing this up because some of the people involved in these things are christians 
Some of them are ordained pastors. One of them even did the unthinkable yesterday. After all the violence was carried out, actually quoted a verse, a passage from the Bible, more or less justifying, almost like, in fact, justifying what they had done and trying to, to couch it as a victory of the Lord. Someone who is, doesn't even self-identify as a Christian had to write back to him and say, you are mocking God. This guy is an ordained minister of a Pentecostal mega church. In fact, the biggest church in Nigeria. There's a whole lot more that I can say. I'm just, I am so disgusted, saddened, disillusioned. But then I say, well, this is what the God told us about the world. But it's also making me realize this is why God has separated me. This is why God took me apart. Because he needed me to be separate for me to see. And, on, and now that I'm seeing it, I'm like, God, I thank you that before these people manifested to this level of evil, you had separated me from them. And I'm not saying that everybody that is in that space is that way. But I'm saying the leaders and the people who should know better are enabling and supporting this wickedness. And I'm praying that God will intervene. Because if, without divine intervention, we have seen what this kind of rhetoric and actions, where it leads to. And it started off, there was a sign that we saw one of them carry, a signpost. You know, these this things, this kind of things that we see in the UK, I mean in the US, where you see this KK, you know, people carrying these placards and things. We saw one very horrible sign that was carried on, a, on one of the campaign journeys. And everybody was like, what, what is this? What is written on this thing? How dare somebody walk? walk around with this we didn't realize that it was just a forerunner of what was to come i can't describe what happened in lagos yesterday i don't because if i say it it would just sound like i'm just being you know i'm just being i don't know what's the word i'm just ripping up sentiment or whatever but it was bad the best way to profile to say it is that the word the words ethnic profile have come out to be keywords from the elections that happened on saturday why would that be? I have never seen anything like that. People that went out were prevented from voting based on ethnic profiling, even when registered, licensed, having the, the cards and the documentation from the government to vote. And if they, they were beaten, battered in some cases, some are in hospital as we speak, fighting for their lives, The greatest form of voter the, the suppression and intimidation. There is evil in the world. There is evil in the world. And I think it's funny because this is what I have talked about all along. And we saw, you know, if, if you listen to me on my podcast, there were many times we saw a lot of what was happening in certain parts of Nigeria. And there was a fear about, you know, religious intimidation. It's funny because what is being done right now is being done by people who are from both tribes, equally, I mean, from both religions. Christians are actively involved in this. Pentecostal, charismatic Christians actively involved in this evil. So I now wonder, so you will go to church today, after having done all that you did yesterday, people even saw their, oh Lord, people saw their neighbors turning on, on other neighbors. So 
tomorrow you think that everything will go back to normal because everyone is still living in the same neighborhood. You will go to church and sit next to people of another tribe and everything will, will be the same. I don't expect that the church will rise to the occasion because we have never been people who have stood up for anything other than our own pocket. But I know that Christians individually will. They will speak up in the spaces where, you know, they have influence. God bless all those who spoke up for others who have been helping in one way or the other. If you are in a position of privilege and you, you have the opportunity to speak or help, please do not hesitate to do so. Do not wait for the leaders, either in the church or anywhere. We have now, it's now clear to me that Nigeria is the way it is because of an unholy alliance between political leaders, religious leaders, as well as business leaders and community leaders. It is not a one-man show at all. It is a collaboration. And they will do anything to make sure that they keep things the way they are. So when God says that the Lord knows them who are, who are his, his, he is very correct. Not everyone that names the name of the Lord is really a Christian. We all need to be aware of that. And if we know, the Bible says, let everyone who names the name of Jesus depart from iniquity. You cannot be whipping up sentiment against another human being and be claiming to be a child of God. The Bible says that anybody that hates his brother, the love of the Father does not dwell in him. Why are we claiming inches of land? Why then do we collect citizenship from Britain? When the Brits now turn back and they say you are not British, you feel bad. What makes an African think you can take a citizenship from a country that is clearly not, I mean, racially yours, if you know what I mean, when we can do this to one another? And I know this is probably going to sound really strange to, to non-Nigerians, but yes, it was, it's, it's bizarre. There's even no, the funny thing is that when you even look into the dynamics of why the ethnic profiling even happened, it doesn't even make sense. There's no basis for it. So there's no point trying to explain it because it's illogical. What they just did was whipping up fear and hatred and causing people to do what is unthinkable. There's a lot of uproar about it. The government is already starting their gaslighting process. But I'm just, I am sad, but I'm also realizing that, well, this means that the Bible is true. It also shows me that I have been on the right path in the last two or three years. God, I have been working with God. It's not This has not been an invention of my mind. God was really protecting me from something. And he needed me to be separated, to be apart and close to him, to be able to see it for what it was. And um, because I am not, now because of where I am in, I can see it clearly. I can also speak without being afraid of hurting anybody's sensitivities. And I, for me, that is the greatest thing. Because that is what has happened to many of these people. Because they have gotten into relationships with people that they should never have been in relationships with. They cannot speak the truth anymore. 
And when we speak the truth, what do we do? We allow the lies and the darkness to persist. The darkness is seeking to overwhelm our nation, Nigeria. I'm praying that the Lord will not allow it to do so. But if Jesus says that we are the light of the world, it means that he expects us to stop that darkness. He's not going to come down from heaven to do it. But what we need to ask of him is the wisdom, the courage, the faith, and the boldness to know what we need to do and how. And it starts with speaking up. It starts with helping. It starts with supporting. And it starts with not enabling the evil that we see, either by our actions or our inactions. May the Lord help us all. In Jesus' name, amen.